there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit... Capital S, the Holy Spirit. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit, that Spirit that dwells within you, if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Now I want to think about, and uh, we'll think about several things, but one of the things I want us to really focus in on tonight is found in verse 11. I just want to reread verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. You may be seated. <clears throat> this, this little section of verses, this portion of verses, uh, obviously is emphasizing this, this doctrinal reality, this positional reality for every child of God, for every saint. And that is that the Spirit of God lives within us. And he begins with this question in verse 10. If Christ be in you. Now that's, 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 that's true. This is said more than once in this passage. But it's true that if you're saved, Christ literally dwells in you. Now imagine with me tonight, if you could, how amazing it would be to live with Christ. I mean, have Christ as your buddy. Right? To have Christ as your friend. To have Him always with you. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if every time something good happened or every time something difficult happened, He was right by your side. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Um, I, I was talking with one of our men this morning about um, uh, some situations. You go through this sometimes. You'll just have one thing happen and you think... I, you know, that was unfortunate. And then you have another and you have another. My wife's had this running list for a couple of weeks of things that have gone wrong, things that have happened. You know what I'm saying? It just like it, you know, it just happens that way. 
and then going home from church um, Sunday night. After we left, we talked. It was here about being filled with the Spirit, driving home. And uh, this deer decided that he was going to leave some hair in my bumper. <laughs> and he did. He put a crack in it. He'd made some, he, he made a dent in it. And, but it's, it's interesting to think about this, that every time something happens to you, wouldn't it be good if Jesus was right there with you? When the stock market plunges, when the negative report comes from the doctor, if it happens, or when the positive report, you'd say, thank you, Lord, right? If it's a good thing. So this is not talking about having Christ with us. This is talking about having Christ in us. And, and, I, and, I, and that's, not, that's not just some kind of figurative language, young person, that means something other than what it says. It's literal language. If you are saved, He lives in you. He lives in you. And, and so he begins this with saying, If Christ be in you, and then verse 11 he says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now this morning we emphasized in music and in the message the amazing, the remarkable thing that, that Jesus Christ could be literally dead. That's a, that's, a, that's a miracle in itself for God to die, right? That is a miracle. And the reason he died is because he became sin. The wage of sin is death. He became sin for us. He died not for his own sin, but for our sin. And he literally died. He wasn't just in some kind of a, a coma. He wasn't in some kind of a temporary state of uh, unconsciousness. He was literally dead. Life passed from him. But three days later, he was alive. And according to this verse, it says, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if that spirit dwell in you, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and the, and the you, you, you uh, like me, sometimes you may think, well, I don't really feel him, you know, but it's not about a feeling. It's not about emotion. It's about a, it's about a positional doctrinal reality he dwells in us if you're saved. Matter of fact, according to the Bible, He's the one that regenerates us. He, he's the one that births us into the family of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we were going over, my wife and I were going over these verses with a, a couple yesterday out on visitation. And Nicodemus asked what to us may sound like a silly question, but it was a logical question. If someone asks you or tells you you've got to be, you've got to have another birth, then Nicodemus says, how can, I, how can a man be born when he's old? Must he enter the second time into his mother's womb? How are you going to do that? Jesus said that was the flesh birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you, when you got saved, you were born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God birthed you into the family of God. If that didn't happen to you, you're not saved. And that was the promise of Jesus. I want to look at this quickly. Go to, go to John chapter 14, and we'll come right back to Romans here in a moment. But at John chapter 14, Jesus begins this famous chapter, John chapter 14, preparing His disciples for His Exodus, for his departure. Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, and I go, verse 3, and I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go away and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So they're trying to figure out how are we going to live without Jesus? And sometimes we may have a hard time connecting with that. But I want to tell you, if you lived, back to the, what I started the service with, if you lived with Jesus for three years, you're going to be asking, how can I get by without him? Right? How can I live without him? Nothing will be the same without him. Having him at our side. Having him teach us, instruct us, correct us, comfort us. So then he says this in John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I'm going to go away, but there's but I'm sending a replacement. And he'll, he'll abide with you. He'll live with you forever. Verse 17 calls him, and again the capital S Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. The world can't receive him. The world doesn't know him. The world can't identify with this. But Jesus said, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be, what? In you. Shall be in you. And then he says in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I'm going to come to you. How's he going to come to you? He's going to come to you in the person of the comforter. And there is something better. This is not, this is not to be sacrilegious or disrespectful. But there is something better than having Jesus with you. Because when he was on this earth, he could only be at one place at one time, right? There's something, what could be better than having Jesus with you? Having the one just like Jesus in you. Verse 19, yet a little while and, I, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. Verse 20, at that day, when this happens, when all this takes place, you shall know that I am in my Father. I've gone back to heaven. I'm in my Father, and you're in me. And I'm in you. I in you. I in you. In you how? In you by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, this, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. So this is something really worth meditating on. It's worth concentrating on. And if you're sitting here tonight, and if you could just be really painfully honest with yourself, and you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I just don't even know, I, can, I don't really know if the Spirit of God lives in me. And I, by the way, I think if the Spirit of God lives in you, there ought to be some things going on in your life that you could recognize. His teaching, His conviction, His correction, his encouragement, his comfort. I mean, if he's in you, and kind of go back to this message last Sunday, uh, it's possible to be him in you and grieving him and quenching him, but I'm telling you, he makes a difference in your life. Amen? Amen? He does. And if you can't, if you can't say 
pretty certain. I know He lives in me. I know He lives in me. Then it may be that you're not saved, right? Because if you're saved, He's in there. Amen. So verse 11 then, take up there again, Romans chapter 8, we're in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now, just, just let that sink in for a moment. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty powerful, right? That's pretty powerful. That's pretty amazing. If that same Spirit lives in you, Verse 11, he that raised up Christ from the dead, the same one who raised Christ from the dead, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, what does it take to raise someone from the dead? It just takes supernatural power, right? Would you agree with it? It takes supernatural power, something that all of us together and all the people in the world combined could not muster up enough life to raise somebody from the dead. It takes a life that's more powerful than death to raise someone from the dead. Supernatural life. And our flesh in itself is dead toward God. It says in verse 10... Uh, the body of, is dead because of sin. The, the, the penalty for sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Adam was told, the moment, the day that you eat of this forbidden fruit, you shall surely die, right? And he died spiritually the moment he did that. So, the, so that part of man is spiritually dead. But verse 10 also says, but the spirit is life. God's, God's life conquers death. Aren't you glad about that? And that's what happened to Jesus. He died because he became sin. He died. He took our sins upon his own body. But the Spirit of God, God's life, overcome death. There's a word that's mentioned in verse 11 that's mentioned a lot in the Bible. It's the word quicken. It's not a computer program. <laughs> quicken. And what does it mean to quicken? If you were to look up in a Bible dictionary, it would tell you the word quicken means to bring from death to life. It means to produce life. It means to give life. It means to cause something to live. It means to restore something to life. So when Jesus was dead, he was quickened. He was infused with life from God. He was quickened. He was restored to life. That divine life... Now. now you need to think about this. That divine life that overpowers or conquers or defeats death raised him from the dead. And nothing could stop that. I, I'm, I'm really humored. I'm almost, I am humored by Pilate's instructions when he said to those uh, soldiers, you know, make sure you guard the tomb. Don't let anybody get to his lifeless body. If they get to his lifeless body, they're going to claim that he was risen from the dead. So guard him. Make, make it about the tomb. Make it as sure as you can. 
secure, sure as you can. He was dead. But he didn't stay dead. Because a power more powerful than death quickened him. Now, we know that's true. All that's true. It's common knowledge. But the thing I think that we lose sight of from time to time is that same power dwells in us. That's what, that's what he's teaching us here. That same amazing power dwells in us. Now that doesn't mean that we have the power to raise people from the dead, right? I'm not fixing to have a resurrection service. Although sometimes people that sit in church seem to me like they could use a resurrection. But anyway, but we don't need the power to raise people. I'll tell you what we need the power to do. We need the power to have victory in difficult times. We need the power to witness effectively to those around us. We need, we need God's power. And the good news is, for every single born-again child of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside us. Right? Would you agree that we sometimes forget that? That we sometimes lose sight of that? I mean, what is, what is, this gets to the heart to me of some of our struggles, ours being mine and all of us. What is, the, what is the source of our power? What is the source of our victory? It's not us. It's not our seniority. It's not even our dedication. It's not our sincerity. There's not, the power is not in us to do what needs to be done. And yet many, many of us, if we'd be absolutely, transparently, honest, sometimes we're just doing this stuff in our own energy and wondering why it's not working. It's not in us. Most of us, including myself, most of us have had times when we, we become fearful, we become doubtful, we may even become cynical, we become discouraged, defeated, because we see ourselves incapable of doing the things that this Bible says we ought to be doing and living in a way that this Bible says we ought to be living. And the, and the reality is we can't do it. If a person says to me, I just can't do that, I'd say, I can't either. I've had people say this more than once in my life. The things that you preach, the way you present this thing, I just can't live up to it. And I say, neither can I. But I know who can. And if you're saved, He lives in you. I think the, I think the, the um, painful truth is sometimes that we are defeated because we think that we ought to be able to and we can't do it and we just give up because we can't. But it's not about what we can do. You know, most of us have memorized, we may have forgotten it, but we've memorized that passage in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul said to the church at Philippi, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How many things? All things. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What kind of things? All things. All things that God wants us to do. Now, what kind of things was he talking about? In the context of Philippians chapter 4, this was what he was talking about. I was, I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned to be, a, to be abased and I've learned to abound. I've, I've learned what it's like to have more than enough and I've learned what it's like not to know how I'm going to get by. 
And in all these things, he says, I've, I've learned to be content. And in that context, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, there, you know, I, I, that doesn't mean to me, that promise doesn't mean you know, that I'm able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> right? More powerful than a locomotive. I don't, that's not what it means. But I'll tell you what would be good if I had the power that no matter what happens in my day or in my life, that I can be content. That's pretty good stuff right there. I can do all things, but not on, in my own power. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He, he lives within us. Let's, we're going to come back to Romans chapter 8, but go to the right a little bit if we could, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I can't believe I remembered those things about Superman. Do you all remember that? I'll tell you, when you're in the Spirit, all kinds of things come to you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 and verse... Um, in verse 15 he says, I'm not just going to get to a point, but I want to kind of lead up to it. Whereunto I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints... Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, if Paul says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, he, it was because they needed... They needed that. They needed the light to be turned on to help them understand better. And by the way, we all need that. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And here's the verse I want to get to. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Paul said, I'm praying that you would, you would understand better the exceeding greatness of His power in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The word power there is dunamis. It's miraculous power. And he, he said in 19, uh, the exceeding greatness of his dunamis, of his power. And, and, the, and he gives us this very same comparison. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Whatever power raised Jesus from the dead, brought life into his dead body. Whatever power did that, and then, and then took him into heaven 
where he would be seated at the right hand of the Father. That same power, Paul said, is the power that I want you to get more familiar with, to know more about. Right? So that's what he said. And if I, the Ephesians needed that, and I think I need it. I think we need it. I mean, that's unbelievable power. That, that's, that's supernatural. That's amazing power. By the way, it was that power. I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 8. But that's really, I think, one of the catalysts that transformed the lives of the disciples. I mean, where were they? Remember where they were on this night? Many years ago, the evening of the resurrection. Jesus, they found the tomb empty in the Sunday morning, first day of the week. And Jesus made himself known to them that night. And they were hiding in fear. They were, they were terrified. They killed our leader. He's dead. And what's going to happen to us, right? And if I understand the Bible right, Jesus walked right in the room without opening the door. And they were afraid. They were scared. But I'll tell you, look what, hap look what happened to them after that. They were fearless. Stephen preaching on the temple steps didn't, didn't mind it if they were going to stone him and kill him and... And these people in the first century, they watched as the brothers and sisters were actually being killed and turned into human, crucified and turned into human lampposts, thrown to animals. But you know what? They just kept preaching. You know what? I think one of the things that transformed them was the empty tomb. Hey, he's not dead. He conquered death. You know, what, what are they going to do to us? Kill us? We'll just go to heaven. And I, so I think, this, I think this understanding changes us, helps us, it encourages us to keep us from being timid and afraid and shy. Well, I could never go and knock on a door. I couldn't walk up to a stranger and start up a conversation without, about spiritual things. And while I say that, I'm sure there are people here saying, that's me, I can't really do that. I'm telling you, we need to understand there is someone living within us that can help us do everything that God wants us to do. That's what the Bible is teaching. God wants us to know that that same power is available. It actually resides in us. Can we conquer these fears we have? Sure we can. Can we forgive people who've wronged us? Sure we can. Can we overcome doubt? Sure we can. Can we overcome painful memories and experiences and disappointments? Sure we can. We could say, I could just never get over this. Yes, we can but not in our own power. It's not up to you in your own power. You know what? The devil, the devil is quite effective in what he does. And I want to tell you tonight, the devil does not want us to believe in the power of the resurrection. He doesn't want us to believe that. 
Now, I'm not talking about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm talking about the power that's within us. He doesn't want us to believe that we can have victory. He doesn't want us to believe, young person, he does not want you to believe that you could become a dynamic Christian, a spirit-filled young person, a teenager, who's in love with God and serving others and, and being like, he didn't want you to believe you can do that. And some of you sitting right here tonight, I'm not saying this to hurt you, but to help you, you don't believe you could ever do that. So the devil's won, but you can do it, but not in yourself. You do it as he lives his life through us. He doesn't want us to know that God can handle our problems, but God can. And you know what he wants us to do? The devil, he doesn't want us to believe that, but let's flip the coin over, and this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to rely on our own power. And that's where we are sometimes. And by the way, I, I call out the young people because I love them, but the same thing I'm saying to young people is true of adults. They're adults right here tonight, and if you'd be honest, you have believed the lie that you can't do some things that you know God would want you to do. And you've, you've bought into it. You've believed it. And by the way, if you don't think you can, then you're right. But it's not us. It's Him. He wants to help us do that. He wants to help us because we need His help. And the devil wants us to doubt because he knows. He knows this. That a person who habitually leans more on himself than on the Lord will eventually meet with defeat. He knows that. And sometimes I think we become like those disciples in the upper room, afraid to step out, afraid to be what God wants us to be. And we, our potential... And none of us really know what our potential is. But our potential is directly related to this power that lives within us. It's not related to your personality or your, you know, how much money you have, or what kind of job you have, or even your intellectual ability. It's not, that's, that's, those things are not, those things do not determine your potential. What really determines our potential is unleashing God's presence and power working in us and through us to accomplish His will. And His quickening power, He, he quickens us. And I just want to give you a couple of applications of this. First of all, His quickening power, raising from the dead, His quickening power is seen in salvation. It's seen in regeneration. Right? I've, I've counseled with people who, who, are, who struggle with their salvation. They're not sure if they're saved. You know, they're, they have doubts about it. And, and, and any of us can have doubts. Most of us have had doubts of some kind, in some measure, at some you know what I'm saying? We can, and there's a variety of reasons. Sometimes we get to uh, forgetting what God did for us. Sometimes um, we just are so accustomed to working in the flesh, we're not seeing God work, and so we get to wondering. But I want to tell you, when a person gets saved, 
no matter what their age is. When a person gets saved, they're made a new creature. Period. Right? Period. Now some of us who got saved at an older age, when we were adults and we had had a lot of these baggage and bad habits, and that's kind of our story, you know, it wasn't just obvious to us, it was obvious to everybody. I mean, everybody that knew me knew something happened. Something happened to him. He didn't talk the same. He didn't act the same. He didn't go the same places. He didn't have the same friends. Something happened. I think I told you the story about a guy that, that I hooked up with, met with, spent some time with oh, a year or two ago. Hadn't seen him in more than 40 years. And this is what he told me. He's sitting across the table at Denny's restaurant. He said, I didn't know what happened, but I knew something happened. And he said, I told another friend of ours, with three of us, we're best friends. He said, I told that person. He says, I can tell you, he's not going to be wanting to hang around us anymore. Something happened to him. You know, it's called regeneration. It's called being saved. Young person, that's what happens when you get saved. Something happens inside you. And, and God quickens us. He does that. Now, it's not a feeling. It's not the same for everybody. I'm not trying to confuse people or make people doubt. But, it, but it's, it's like immediately, immediately, the, something happens. The Spirit of God moves inside you. And He begins to change us. It may be slower for some, more rapid for some. But that spiritual, what happened is, I was dead. Ephesians says I was dead in trespasses and sin. I was living and... and a wicked life, but I was spiritually dead. But He quickened me. He put life in me. Eternal life, everlasting life. So that it happens in regeneration. It also happens, though, quickening power is seen in sanctification. He, you know, if you look at these verses we were reading about, and I'm not going to dig into them tonight, but look in verse three, 13, for instance. We're in Romans 8. Look in 13. For if we live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit, capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The Spirit of God helps us win over the flesh. The Spirit of God helps us win over the deeds of the body. The Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit. We covered this last week. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can't win over temptation in my own power. My thought life, my attitude, you can't either. We can't do it on our own. But we have someone living inside us that can. So it's seen in sanctification. It's also seen in glorification. Now, just, just to help you, and I don't, I don't want to move too fast, but sanctification, I mean, regeneration is when you get saved. By the way, when I got saved, you got saved, you're eternally saved. You can't get unsaved. You don't have to get saved again. You, you, you're saved forever. That's your spirit, though. But when I got saved and you got saved, our spirit was regenerated. Life came in. Amen? But I still have to deal with my flesh and my soul and my emotions and my feelings and all that stuff. Sanctification is winning these battles with our flesh and with our soul and with our thought life. Those, that's sanctification. And that has to, that's a battle we're fighting every day, Right? Spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh against the spirit. They're contrary to one another. But glorification is when God takes us out of here. 
And you know what I'm going to be like when he takes me out of here? Just like Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And that's going to, and by the way, even he's going to change my body at that time. Now, I know you think it's hard to improve on this body, right? But he's going he's to change our body. He's going to get, we're going to have a brand new body. We'll be able to walk through walls without opening the door. Amen. But the great thing about it is we won't have to deal with this lustful flesh, this lusting flesh anymore. We're going to have a brand new body. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the, the dead in Christ shall raise first. That means that when we, when, we, when we die, when we die, our body is put in a grave. But there's a part of us that can never die. Amen. Right? You can't die. You can't kill that life because that life is His life. Jesus said... On that day as they were, before they got to the tomb of Lazarus, and he's talking to Mary and Martha, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. She's mourn they're mourning the death of their brother. I am the resurrection and the life. He that, liveth in, he that believeth in me, he that believeth in me, pay attention, he says to her, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yea, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You can't die. You know why you can't die? Because there's, there's eternal life inside you. And that come in when you got saved. And it regenerated you. And He's with us, helping us as we go along the journey. But when, when He comes back, that old corrupt flesh is going to be resurrected. And we'll have a brand new body. Right? A brand new body. Death has no power over his life. And so on this day that we celebrate the resurrection, I thought it would be good. We're talking about the Spirit of God. We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. We're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. I thought it would be good just to focus on this simple thought. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. Do we ever get discouraged and have defeat? Sure. Do we ever have fears? Sure we do. But what the devil wants us to do is to accept defeat. But what God wants us to do is to trust Him for victory. I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. Through Christ, which strength, right? That's what he said. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's not about, and I think we ought to try hard, but it's not about just trying hard. It's about trusting. It's about trusting God. So we ought to ask ourselves tonight first of all, do I know, does he live within me? Does He live within me? Because if He doesn't live within you, you're not saved. You may have been baptized. You may have made the professions. But if He doesn't live within you, you're not saved. And you need to be saved. You need Him. You need Him. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
When you get saved, life moves in. And he doesn't just, he's not just in there for the ride, right? He's in there to direct us and lead us and empower us and help us and encourage us and comfort us. He's in there. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe we just need to take a few moments tonight and say, Lord, I depend too much on my own energy, on my own power, and not enough on yours. I mean, to me, that could really be a wow moment that the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at my disposal to help me, to give me victory. Amen?